All right, everybody. Hello and welcome back. This is Hash Rate Up once more. Today I am here with Michael Michael, aka the Schnitzel. Um, in German, Schnitzel. He is the developer of the open source software, the Home Assistant. And today we were going to talk about that for a little bit. But before we get started, as always, um, the guest has the pleasure of reading out the block height. Michael, uh, what's the current block height? We're at 805.345. Okay, we had a nice boost again in hash rate. It keeps climbing unbelievably strong, even in the depth of the bear market. 386.8 exahashes per second. And we just had a nice boost as well to the hash price with the ruling um, against the SEC. And so the Bitcoin price shot through the roof, I think 7% or something which pushed the hash price up to 64.47 per petahash per day. And with that out of the way, let's crack into it. Michael, give people a brief background to your person and then to your project. Maybe tell people your Bitcoin story. Why are we here today? Sounds good. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, about myself, um, I'm originally from Switzerland. Uh, so my weird accent is a combination of Swiss, German, German and English. Um, but I do live now in the U.S. Um, on the East Coast. My Bitcoin story. So I actually got in contact with it quite early. I think I look back to my emails. It's like 2012, I think. But at that point, I was mostly interested in actually the security and the cyber, the the cryptographic part of it. Really, how can like the fact that you could send something and I cannot reuse it a second time because for for that up until that point the internet was about copying super simple like mp3s and napster were a thing and um, so it was super simple to copy something and now there's was supposedly something that you could not copy it anymore and so I was mostly interested in that funny was at that point like you couldn't buy bitcoin like at least in switzerland you couldn't the only way was like there were faucets that you literally got bitcoins for free or you had to mine yourself so you just ran let your computer running at that point bitcoin the software was the miner and the node at once um you just ran it over the night and the next morning you had like half a bitcoin Ta-da, like you had it uh pools started to become a thing at that point but every time i looked at it and looked at friends and at that point like i had friends that worked in the financial industry in switzerland i asked them like how many transactions does like a bank do per day and they were like a thousand hundred thousand millions of transactions per day and the fact that bitcoin had like max at that one i think it was three per second yeah i was like well that's a cool tool or toy but no this will never going to take off of course completely ignoring the fact that we can have layer two and layer threes and um Yeah, I let this whole thing, like, idle, actually lost some money at Mt. Gox, um, then that wasn't fun, so I let this whole thing be there, but then uh, when I bought, or I moved to the US, and I bought my house, and my garage wasn't heated, and I somehow heard of Bitcoin again, this was now in, like, 2019, and I always heard about these ASICs, like, I always followed it a little bit, wanted to look at these ASICs, found one on Facebook Marketplace, bought it, and started to heat my garage with it. Um, realized quite fast that they are freaking loud. 
So I had to figure out some ways to replace the fans and stuff like that. But yeah, I was heating my, my garage in the winter and was happy with that. Um, and then started to think more about like, okay, and how can I use this in summer? Because in summer, I don't need to heat my garage anymore. Um, where I live, it's like similar to, I would say, like Germany, Switzerland, that you heat in the winter and cool in the summer. But it is a bit harder that you actually have ACs. So I looked into that and was wondering, like, how could I use this miner more? Because running it in my garage and running the AC at the same time obviously didn't make a lot of sense. Um, and so I started to look into this and came at one point. I went to Bitcoin Miami um, 2022 um, and saw all these immersion systems. So where you actually put your miner into oil, remove all the fans and you can heat up oil. And that's when the idea came is, could I maybe use this to heat my hot water? Um, because at least where I live, we all have electronically heated water heaters. So you have to imagine it's basically a big uh, water kettle that just has some heating coils inside a very good insulated tank that just heats up the water through resistive, resistive heating. And yeah, the idea came to use this to heat the hot water and that's how the project started and that's where it's going from now nice um yeah funny that you say about the three transactions per per second i just before we started recording paid my pizza with lightning right that's where that's where we are today right i'm yes i don't know if you know in cape town where we also do a lot of heat generation through burning electricity basically because everything you know, there is no no gas gas pipeline network or whatever in the city and and everything he, heat related is is done with uh, electricity or we have heat pumps and stuff like that so um perfect perfect example there and i think very similar to what you just described um before before we get into the project michael what do you do for a living can you say a bit more um what you do in your in your daily life yeah so right now i still have a fiat job um I'm working on figuring out some more or how to get Bitcoin more into this, but I run a container hosting company. Um, I'm the CTO, founder, and so basically me and my team, we make sure that all kinds of applications are running 24-7 um, okay. in the cloud. Uh, so we maintain and manage servers for our customers. And um, like I said, looking into this also to maybe combine it with Bitcoin, um, but nothing to talk about yet. Okay, interesting. And why containers? Why not data centers? What what's the the use? Oh, case containers there? in in terms of like uh, all right, like ah, Docker okay. containers, software containers. Like, um, okay, software gotcha. containers. Yes, not fist. Sorry. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> I'm so much in my in my world. No, software containers. Um, the containers there allow us to run any type of applications. So as long as okay. it's a, in a container. Um, but that's the interesting part is that you could put like a Lightning node into a container as well, or like Fedimints or things like that. So that's what we're looking at right now. Nice. I'm hoping to get just on the topic of containers. I'm hoping to get um, K51, I think, on the show as well. And they mm -hmm. do. Um, I haven't quite understood how they do it, but I think they leverage the flexibility of ASIC mining and, and pair it with with AI applications because it just makes way more money per kilowatt hour um, than ASICs do. So yeah, I thought oh, maybe containers, but um, but that's a different different topic. Um, how, how did your how did your 
better half <laughs> take the take the noise in the garage. Well, the good <laughs> thing is she doesn't care um, because it's in the garage, so it's far away from the house that she doesn't. And um, when we search for the house, we both work remote, so we have both each other have our own rooms that are our own. That were the other person like doesn't have anything to say what's happening in these rooms and that's for me the garage so she didn't really bother um but yeah when i told her that my plan is to rip out parts of our house heating and water heating system and replace it with some miners and no this has never been done before and i don't know if it's gonna work yeah she looked a bit strange um but also have to say that this is not the first time that i'm suggesting some crazy ideas so um she basically said, look, as long as it works and you can go back to the system before, do whatever you want. But she wants to just shower every day and there needs to be hot water every day. That was the requirement. I think I think without without the you make the money by abstracting the um the complicated parts away, right? So at the end yeah. of the day there still has to be hot water. And if Correct. if there's not hot water at some points, but it's more economical overall, people don't care. It needs to work, right? So I think uh, you guys are on on the right path there. So what what made you open source the idea? Why did you decide to put this online and write tutorials and create all of that work for yourself? <laughs> that that no doubt you have with many people asking you questions about products <laughs> and what can they use. Yeah. Give me a bit more background there. Look, for me, there is no other way. Um, being live uh, my my fear job is actually already everything open source. So I live in this open source world. I believe very very strongly into open source. That actually the code that we generate is not the intellectual property of a company or of an individual person. Um, and instead, it's actually the services you create around this. So that's your team. That's your culture. That's your service. That's the way how you treat customers. That's what makes a company special. And so all of this specifically because at least in the beginning, there was no idea about to maybe commercialize this product in any way. That's what I'm working on now. But um, in the beginning, it was just a thing that I did. And so why not making it open source? Because I knew other people out there um, have either been working already on similar things and I actually learned from them as well. So like um, at Miami, at this Bitcoin Miami 2022, I've met people that have done kind of similar systems already and they were super open to share. So I felt like if I now would make it, I don't know, like not talk about this, um, I would not continue this this already movement of sharing. And, and I really believe the fact that Bitcoin itself, of course, is completely open source. Um, this is the only way to do something like that. All right, and maybe before we jump into um, the technical specs and details and what miners you used and stuff like that, um, the I think one of the most famous examples of this sort of heating liquid and doing something with it is the the pool heater that I think Peter McCormick once highlighted in one of his um, documentaries. I think in Texas is that is that the same exact principle or does it work different somehow? It's pretty much the same idea. Yes, so. The overall idea is that you reuse the heat that the miners generate. You then use to heat something else, which could be another liquid in terms of a pool. It could be hot water at home that you then use to shower. 
um, but it could also be to heat the house, to heat the driveway, to heat the greenhouse, to heat chickens, whatever, whatever you want to use with the heat um, that you want to do. Um, and maybe, and that's another thing, to maybe also convert that heat back into cold. Um, so then we could actually cool our houses as well with miners. That is a bit more complex, but physically t and technically possible. Um, that's what basically we put under the term of heat recapture of miners. Okay. And how does that work? Go into the cold generation topic a bit more. So there is, an, there is a technology called absorption chilling, which is used in very big industrial systems, for example, data centers. So data centers that create a lot of, a lot of, a lot of heat. There are ways with, um, and it works similar to a heat pump, but it doesn't actually have a compressor. It uses the heat that comes to compress a liquid. And from that point on, you can create a cold um, environment again. So you basically put hot water in and then the other, and then there comes medium water comes out. And on the other side, you put medium water in and colder water comes out. Um, if you ever have seen a trailer or an RV fridge, most of them actually work with propane, meaning there is a propane flame that runs outside of the fridge and it generates a cold environment inside. Um, and that's the exact same physical process okay. um, we would like to use that from the heat generated by the miners, we could then create a cool liquid that then can be used to run through radiators and cool down the house. Is that using the, the energy and the fact that hot air expands to make that liquid more pressurized is that fair to say yes yes yeah you have expansion and you have pressure differences um that you then can use for expansion and when you expand the liquid it sucks out um heat uh, from the environment that's very similar to what a what an ac like an air conditioner does just what it does it does it compresses the liquid outside it generates heat through that point It transports the heat, uh, sorry, the liquid into the building and it lets it expand there inside the radiator. Um, and that generates the cold environment or that sucks heat from the environment. Therefore, it cools it down. An absorption chiller does the same, but instead of compressing the liquid, it uses the already hot liquid to do the compression and expansion process. But yeah, if you, if anybody's interested in that, if you Google for absorption chilling, um, there are ready-made systems you can buy. The problem is they are in the size of like ship container sizes. Again, because we in houses we usually don't have waste heat. Like it's not something that currently exists. So there is actually a whole new uh, market out there um, for using for these absorption chillers on um, I would say family sizes. Um, they don't exist right now, but I do believe that there's a market there. And that's one thing that I'm working on and playing with to see if this is actually feasible. All right. I think it's also a lot more efficient, probably, if you look at the volume, right, to, to create cold from, from hot air at, at volumes, probably the, the, the smaller scale, the less efficient with current solutions, I would, I would guess. Um, yeah, so I don't have data yet, so I don't really know yet. Um, but that's one of the big questions, yes. Okay. Is it more efficient so, or similar efficient than, let's say, you would you would use the energy directly to run like an air conditioner? Yeah, yeah. I mean, wow. I mean, probably 
generating electricity, which has even or is the highest form of entropy or enthalpy. I keep getting confused about those two. But that's even more difficult, I think. Like if you have a lot of excess heat to then um, power a Stirling motor or whatever to to generate electricity, that's I think even even more complicated. Um, yes, and like of course. Yeah, that would of, of course be the, <laughs> that would be the the holy grail that you can use to elect the heat again to generate electricity and then run the miners again. That would that's another plan of mine to do. But I think yeah, that's just a problem with the Stirling engines. That I do think they can be efficient, but just not there yet. Because again, why would somebody need to build this? It's just not something we have today. Yeah, yeah. There's no need for it. No market, as you said. Okay, right. and in your application, you basically are now replacing a heat pump, right? With mining, with ASICs in your cupboard. Yes. Is that so? Okay, and and my system walk me through today, the yeah, walk me through yeah. the 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 technical details. Go as deep into the technical detail as you want. Okay. Um, everybody who okay. who is listening made the, made their own choice while clicking on play. So <laughs> don't hold don't hold back. All right, I'm trying to make it as simple to understand as possible. But basically, what my system can do right now, it can heat three what I call consumers. These consumers are A, the hot water heater. So that's the water we use for shower, um, taking baths, just the hot water that comes out of the faucet. The second one is I have a hot tub outside. Um, it could also be a pool. So it's basically just a really big body of water that we would like to heat up to um, roughly 40 degrees Celsius, 100 Fahrenheit. That's usually what hot tubs are in. And then, and these two actually run all year long, or depending on if I need it. The hot water I need all the time. The hot tub, we don't heat unless we're going to use it, let's say for a weekend. Um, and then in winter, of course, also the house itself. Now, my house today, it has an oil burner or an oil furnace, meaning the oil is used to heat up water and that water is then circulated through radiators and, and baseboards through the house. And that's the, how the house is heated. And because I already have an existing water loop, it was quite simple for me to connect this to the other systems um, because they basically create a hot liquid. Now, how does this actually work? Um, now, some of the regular miner, let's use an S19J Pro, which is the standard, I would say, miner that you will find. Um, there is older models and newer models, and we can maybe go into the models a bit later, but let's use this. A standard S19J Pro uses around 3,000 watts. Now, 3,000 watts is maybe hard to understand for some people, but think about that a regular space heater, so the one that you connect to the outlet in your room to just heat up the room is around 1,500 to 2,000 watt of heat. Um, yeah, I always say it's like a toaster. A toaster, a toaster or a kettle. Yes. yes, correct. So it uses that amount of heat. and Or it uses actually a little bit more. Um, so a miner has around 3,000 watts. Now you can under and overclock them, and that's a topic for maybe later today, but let's use 3,000 watts. Now, one of the main things we have to understand is a computer converts 100% of the consumed energy into heat. And I think if people understand from this podcast, if they, are, if they come out with understanding this specific piece, you already know probably more 
than 90% of people in the world. Because people always think that if a computer uses energy, that energy is used to generate the computation of the computer and it somehow stays in the computer, but that's not true at all. A computer converts 100% of its energy into heat. The computation by itself is basically a side product that you, if you let the computer generate one plus one, that out comes two, but this two does not have an electrical or an energy value. It's just another state of a computer because what the computer does, it runs electrons through all these transistors that do these calculations. Um, but, and that's what generates the heat because they run through these transistors. This is why, just to hook in there quickly, this is why I have a problem with sailors take of digital energy. Yeah. Because exactly those people that do not understand those basics get misled by somehow thinking that Bitcoin can create energy. I've had those talks and it's a, I think it's a problem because it, 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 as much as he's brilliant, right? But his thinking is so far that this analogy doesn't account for, for, for people that have, don't have that background. So yeah, I just wanted to have Correct. that said. Bitcoin is not no, digital I, actually, energy storage, right? I agree with you. Um, I think the energy of digital energy is a good one, but not if you talk on a physical realm, but more on like on an understanding realm. But I agree with you because yes, the Bitcoin itself, you cannot convert it back into energy. Like the Bitcoin itself, you can buy with Bitcoin energy again, but you cannot convert it. So yeah, but I think what his argument is that even if you get Bitcoin from it, you can then buy energy again, but the Somewhere energy else. is not actually yeah. stored in Bitcoin. Like it's not, yeah. so yeah, I agree. So yes, so the most important, that's the most important thing. A computer converts 100% of energy. So that means if you have a miner that uses 3000 watts and it doesn't matter if it's immersion cooled or air cooled, if you put it in a room, this room now gets heated up with constant 3000 watts of heating. And that's what normal miners, so these mega miner farms are doing. They run all these miners. They generate all these massive amount of heats and they run 10,000 of these miners. So they have megawatts of energy or of heat that they generate. And what they do, they just vent it out. They usually have massive big fans and they just heat up the environment. What I do is I'm trying to capture that heat. And we do this instead of running it through air because capturing heat through air is actually quite hard you need a lot of air things like that what we do is we put it inside an oil and um, some people think it's 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 water it is not water if you put an, a miner into water that miner would be dead immediately um, but it's an oil it's a so-called dielectrical oil meaning it does not conduct electricity or it has a very very low electri electrical conductive um, coefficient meaning it is safe to put these miners into that oil. Um, also, if you ever have seen a transformer, like in the US, we have them all on poles in other countries as well. They're actually also filled with oil because they cool down the miner or the, the transformers themselves, the same for the computers. So that means we can actually remove the fans because now we don't need fans anymore that cool down the miner through air, the oil does it but we need to find a way to circulate the oil through these miners. So then we do this with basically having a specific tank 
that adds the oil at the bottom of the miner and removes it from the top again. And there's a pump that basically continuously circulates that oil through the miner um, and th therefore removes the heat from the miner. Now, if the problem is, though, if we don't actually do something with this oil, if we just would circulate it, it would probably take like two minutes. The oil is burning hot and then the miner dies again because the heat is the enemy of the miner. So we need to do something with this oil. And in my case, or in many other cases, we send this oil through so-called heat exchangers. Now, these heat exchangers are super standard, for example, in your car. Your car probably has four or five of them. Um, and the heat exchanger works in a way, or specifically a plate heat exchanger works in a way that you have a box that is full of this metal, metalized, and it has four holes. And two of the holes are connected with each other. So that means you have two inlets and two outlets. And the liquid that you put in these holes, they get very close to each other, but they never physically touch. But what happens because of physics, if you remember, um, our all our heat, um, what we learned about heat transfer, if you put two liquids together or very close together, and one of them is warmer than the other, the colder one will take the heat from the hotter one. So what we do is we heat up the oil to 60, 70 degrees Celsius, which is around 150, um, 160 degrees Fahrenheit. The hot oil goes into the heat exchanger with 70, 80 degrees Celsius. And on the other side, we put in water, let's say water from the county or the city or the, the town you live in. And that water comes from the street with, let's say, 20 degrees. And these two liquids go through that heat exchanger. They pass each other. And what will happen is that the 70 degree oil will heat up the 20 degree water. Now, some people think that when it comes out, it's going to be in an equilibrium. So that means both of the liquids are now 40 degrees. That's unfortunately not how it works, unless you have a massively big heat exchanger. So like, if you make one that is like human size, yeah, then maybe this is possible. But um, the idea is that inside the heat exchanger, there's actually plates that force the water to go over a big enough surface to have an exchange. But even then, the water is actually only heated up by a couple of degrees and the oil is cooled down by a couple of degrees, but that's enough. So if the oil goes back to the miner and is now, let's say, 50 degrees, it goes through the miner again, takes out the heat again, comes out with 70 degrees again and goes back. So you basically have one loop for the oil where constantly the oil gets heated up in the miner, it gets cooled down in the heat exchanger. And on the other side, let's say you want to heat up the water for your shower, the hot water. What I do is I have a tank. I have, I still use the existing tank, the water tank. And all I do, I take water from the bottom of the tank, which is colder. I take it out, pass it through the heat exchanger. It heats up by a couple of degrees and I put it back on top of the tank again. And then I take fresh new water from the bottom. So there's a pump, there's a, there's a circulation. And while these two systems are running, I can, over time, this takes a couple of minutes, depending on how big the tank is. In my case, it takes like 20 to 30 minutes to heat up the water inside the tank to the same temperature than the oil. So it's possible that as these two liquids 
getting close to each other enough, eventually, with enough time, the oil will heat up the water to its own temperature. And that is, in my case, around 55, 60 degrees Celsius, um, which is 160 degrees Fahrenheit. And that's what usually a water tank is heated up to um, in a regular household water tank. Okay, just to maybe hook into that before before you go on, because uh, this is exactly one of the problems that I tried to solve in the past and, and had discussions about. If you have mining equipment in a dialectic fluid that's that's on all the time, and now let's say the the output um, temperature at the at the output of the pump where the, where the oil leaves the um, yep. leaves the the body um, that it's that it sits in is too low. Is it possible to circulate somehow the oil often enough so that it heats up so that the exchange at the heat exchanger is a lot more efficient because I might not have um, all of that space where the water and the oil can meet and have a nice chat together for a long time so that one can heat up the other? Do you know I mean, what I'm trying to say? You could technically preheat the oil. And if you have valves, instead of from the pump, send it to the heat exchanger, but send it back to the miner first and then heat it up. Um, you could also just run the pump very slowly. That would also heat the oil faster. Um, so there yeah, are sure. ways to create different temperature situations based on your need. In my specific case, I don't actually care about this. Because I don't use the water generated by the heat exchanger immediately. Like the temperature of the water that comes out of the heat exchanger, in my case, I don't really care because I'm not showering in this water immediately. But I'm putting it back into a tank where I keep it so that when I shower, the water has a specific temperature. But yes, in a boiler, right? Say, it's like a boiler tank. It's like a boiler. Yes, correct. But if okay. you would. So there are specific situations where you maybe say, I want the water that leaves the heat exchanger after it exchanged with the oil. I want it at 40 degrees Celsius exactly all the time. Yes, then you would need temperature sensors on the temperature that the oil comes in, that the water comes in and the oil comes in. And based on that, you would variably change the speed of these two liquids Mm -hmm. to generate the 40 degree exactly that is possible but this is much more complex because you now need to able to be able to monitor well a you need to ensure that the miners definitely don't overheat because they get warm very fast and also you need to variably change the the speeds of these pumps which i feel for what i'm trying to do because i have this boiler is not really an S, like, I, it's just not something that I needed. Then maybe we're getting into um, more sort of industrial applications, right? Where, where that exact exactly. temperature is, is yep. more relevant. Is the, okay, does that complete sort of the technical overview? So that completes one of the, of the consumers. In my specific house, beside of the hot water, I also have a heat exchanger for the hot tub. So I basically pull the water from the hot tub and I have a second heat exchanger um, where the water from the hot tub goes in because I don't want to mix the water of the hot tub with the shower water. And the third heat exchanger 
for the house, because the, the water that could circulate through the house is actually always the same water. So this is like super old water. You also don't want to shower in that one. And for that reason, I basically, for each of the consumer, I have the, its individual heat exchanger. And what I built is a system that I can send the oil to, or I can define where the oil goes, to which of the heat exchangers. So after my pump, I basically have three valves that I can open and close to send the oil to either the heat exchanger of the hot water, of the, of the hot tub, or the house, or a combination of them. That's also possible. And then when they come back, they go back into the into the um, into the tank of the miner gets heated up, and all of this because I now have a system that needs to check how hot is the water in the water tank, how hot is the water in the hot tub. Do I want to use the hot tub today? It, how hot is the the house, and do I want to heat the house? Based on that, it needs to take a decision. It needs to open specific valves. It needs to tell the miners to turn on or turn off because. All of this system I can only use when I actually use heat. So my miners, if I don't need the heat, at least right now, my miners are shut down. There is some solutions around this, and we can talk about that. But that's why I needed to build a control system. And that's what I use Home Assistant for. So We'll, we'll get um, there now. We'll, we'll okay. get to the Home Assistant okay. just now. Um, let me just say, we should have probably said this before you went off. Um, you made a very detailed Twitter thread about this yeah. with pictures, right? So yep. if people want to re-listen to the last sort of 10 minutes, open the open the tweet and follow along again with pictures. I think that that makes things a lot more clearer. I, I remember what it looks like from looking at it previously. You've had it up there for, for a while. Okay, so talk to me about the old water again. I didn't understand that. So in the house, the water that gets circulated, that gets heated up by the oil furnace, and goes to the radiators and comes back, this water is actually the same water since years now. So, I, and I don't want to mix that water with my shower water or the hot tub water. And for that, I need separate heat exchangers to create completely separate loops okay. where the different consumer never meet each other. And that's how I, you, if you look at the Twitter thread, it will hopefully, there is a schema that explains where the oil goes and hopefully that makes sense Mm -hmm. um from that point i think i'll also have to look at it again okay so <laughs> before we talk software um yes. michael le let's talk economics so yes as you already said you're creating heat with electricity anyway so i guess the yep. kilowatt hour price is not super important right but would it make more economic sense to generate heat from gas for instance It, how, what, what, what are the prices for, for, for yep. gas and electricity? Yep. Okay, let's short. So there's two things we need to talk about. And one of them is easier. The one of them, the other one is a bit more complex. So the easy one is if you already use electricity to heat something. In my case, I used electricity to heat up my hot water and the hot tub. They're both electrically heated. Because... What basically this electrical heat is, it's just an, a heating coil that sits in some kind of liquid that heats it up. They have an efficiency of 100%. The miners also have an efficiency of 100%, meaning 100% of the electricity is converted into heat. My electrical bill, if I just compare for a day that I use the water heater versus the water heater meets the miners, 
the electrical bill is exactly the same. Or the amount of electricity, the amount of kilowatt hours of electricity that I used on that specific day does not change at all. So in summer, my electrical bill did change zero. It's exactly the same. If I compare it to the months before where I didn't have miners, or if I for one week run it and for one week I don't run it, and if I use the same amount of hot water, the electrical bill stays exactly the same. That means, yes, I actually don't care about the electrical price at all because I would have spent the electricity nonetheless. I would have showered anyway. I would have used the hot tub anyway. And that means the sets that I generate during that specific time basically are completely free to me um, because I paid the electricity anyway. The only thing that I had to pay is, of course, I had to buy the equipment upfront. And we can go into what this all costs. But if we ignore the upfront cost, the actual production cost of these sets is basically zero dollars. And that's why I say I always get, I get paid to shower because every time that we shower, the miners are running and they're creating sets or Bitcoin. And from my calculation point of view, they're completely free. Is the CapEx part that everybody that's listening would probably kick me for if I didn't ask about it. Is that the is that part of the complex second part of the of your answer or is it something No, else? the other complex is actually if you compare it if you replace your mining with oil or gas with electrical heat. So let's yeah, okay, let's do that really, first. Really really yes. yes. So let's go there first and then we can talk about capex. So in my specific case I used to heat the house with oil, meaning I paid for oil and they delivered it ran like they I don't exactly know how much oil is used. I just know every time they deliver. The first thing that happened is the oil price tripled over the last years. So that's the first thing I used to pay around per year, 300 to 400 dollars. Last year, the last time they filled it before I switched the whole system, we paid around nine to a thousand dollars in total in this specific year. So while the electrical price stayed at 12 cents, that's at least for me where I live, it stayed exactly the same. So that's the first issue, or it makes it very hard to compare. Now, that being said, though, if you compare the pure energy content of the oil versus the electricity, the oil is around three times cheaper, now around half as cheap or half the price. Meaning if I try to heat up um, a kilowatt of, or if I put a kilowatt of heat, a kilowatt hour of heat into water with electrical heat, right now I pay 12 cents. With the oil, I paid around six cents. Again, but this can change. Like, so it could change now. What happens if now, if I start to heat the house with electricity instead of the oil, I basically pay double the amount of electricity than for the oil. There are though a couple of factors that still make sense to me to do this. A is my burning oil generates CO2 immediately and my miners do generate zero CO2 at my house. Now, of course, we have to talk about how is the grid actually made because I just received the electricity, whatever the CO2 was created over there. But honestly, if there is a we'll, way we'll for cut me... There. We, we won't go into that. That's gonna, <laughs> then we'll sit here for three yes. hours. Yes. So for me, I generate less CO2 by myself that comes out of my house. That's already a win. 
The second one is, I have now two systems because if ever the oil runs out, I can still use the electricity. And if ever the electricity runs out, I can still use the oil. So my oil tank still has oil in it, even though I don't use it. So it gives me, and we actually had cases where there was no oil available for a couple of days. And I had neighbors that they needed oil and that was just not there and the same with electricity. So having redundancy to heat the house is actually a positive thing for me that gives me life comfort and I'm willing to pay for this. And the next thing is, these sets that I generate, for me, they are more worth than just sets that I would buy because A, I don't have to think about it. It just happens in winter anyway. So I don't have to set up a DCA with a bank and send the money around and make sure. They just happen all the time. And also important, these sets are completely KYC free because these sets I generate through paying for electricity. So for me, that's my DCAing. I always say in winter, I DCA more than in summer um, just because I heat the house through the mining. And that DCA, at least where I live in the US now, there's almost no way anymore to buy Bitcoin completely KYC free. And for me, doing that through mining is one of the ways that you can do it. And so that's hence I'm doing it. And so for me, that's just these three factors have make it still worth for me to pay more for the electricity than for the oil. But that specific calculation is something that everybody has to decide for themselves at which point does it make sense. If the oil, for example, would be 10 times cheaper than just half as cheap, maybe I wouldn't do that. Yeah, no, I, I benefit um, from you having those thoughts very clearly structured and laid out, which is which is nice to listen to. Shout out to Peach uh, at this stage for KYC yes. free Bitcoin. Does it work for you? Does Peach work? Not in the US. Oh, damn. Not in the US. Okay. And um, do you use a pool to mine or is it solo mining? How many hours do you have time? <laughs> so, well, no, I use a pool. Um, and there's also different types of pools. Um, but yes, um, I use a pool because I'm more interested in the steady income. So I basically get paid for every second that I mine. I get a share from that specific pool. I Right now, I use Lincoin um, because they pay me no matter if they actually find a block at that specific time. I used to use a slush pool or brains, um, but they only paid you when they actually found the block. The problem is because I don't mine 24-7. There were cases that the pool found 10 blocks in a day and I got none of them. So that's why yeah, I switched. You have to be online, right? That's the problem. Great. You yeah. have to mine at the time, yes. But there are other miner or there are other pools where it doesn't matter. They just look at how many shares did you contribute on that specific or per hour or per minute, and you get paid for that. So the risk is a bit more on the pool side. Um, but I am thinking about to actually, like, because I use multiple miners to maybe say, well, three of them I put into the pool, and one of them I maybe use for, like, more lottery self-mining um, that if I ever mine myself, um, yeah. But the chance with an S19, I think it's... 100 years i thought it is or 50 years of chance and so hey, I'm, I'm running my nerd miner and i'm crossing my <laughs> fingers every morning yes yeah that's I'm even more lottery. Lottery. yes 
I'm also running an S9 under my table to to heat my feet with some hot air. Right now, nice. listeners can can understand why I do that and how that works. Um, okay, so we got the part of the economy. It's cheaper to generate kilowatt hours with oil. Makes sense, but you you listed the reason the reasons why you pay double the opportunity cost, I guess, um, for to generate electricity, uh, heat from electricity, I should say. Talk to me about the the capex part. What machines are you using for this, and why? And and what are the calculations around making the money back on them? Yes. So one one interesting thing is because and if we go back into electrical heat comparison, it actually doesn't matter at all how efficient your miner is. So because you get you pay the electricity anyway, um, it only makes sense to really buy high efficiency miners if a you have the money laying around, or b you want to run them for a, for twenty four seven. Um, but if you just want to mine a bit for home and like get some sets to get paid to shower, you it's better to actually use the cheaper miners, the older generations, than using the newest generations. The reason for that is the newer generations miners, which are more efficient, they have a very, very high upfront price. So right now, and the most modern model that you can buy is an S19XP, which has 140 terahash, costs you around three to $4,000 one single miner, and creates 3,000 watts. Now, if we only go 30 terahash less, so we go from 140 terahash to 110 terahash, we're at an S19J Pro. This one costs you half of the price, but you only have a reduction of 30 terahash from 140 to 110. Now, if yeah. you go to an S9, an S9 has around 30 terahash, but they cost you $100. So 13, 15 times. Right? 13. 13, yes. Yeah, Sorry, yeah, yeah. 30. Sorry. Yeah, but it, it doesn't matter. You, yeah. what, you're, what you're highlighting is, is important. And this is also why when you're purchasing miners to anybody that might be interested in, in acquiring some, look at what the joule per terahash, so the energy per terahash value is, and look at how much you are paying per terahash, right? So Correct. the newest model yes. just announced by Bitmain, the S21, 210 terahash, whatever, is I think 20 joules per terahash. 15. Um, 15? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's wow. 15. And then, yeah, and then how much is it? I think it's like $20 per terash or something. Yet. Not haven't? I, I haven't seen prices yet, but it's going to be I, massive. I'll, you'll be right on that, I think. Yeah. yeah. It, but it's going to be high and it's going to be much worse than um, older ASICs that have been around for a while. And so only yeah, if you have, have sort of the, the, the cheapest access around... to power... Sorry, uh, just for S21s, around five to $6,000. So double than what you pay for an XP, which has 140 yeah. terahash, but you don't get a, you don't get the double terahash at all. You get only like 70 more, but yeah. you pay double the price. So I could probably invite you back to talk about mining pools for a whole episode and talk, you talk <laughs> to you about mining economics. Um, but again, yeah, if you, the, the yeah. cheaper your electricity rate in comparison to all your competitors, which is basically the whole network, the more efficient your miner should be, right? At the end of the day. And if you're mining at home with ASICs uh, to to heat your water that only runs sometimes during the year, I don't know, what, what is your uptime on average for the whole year? Michael, do you know? For a whole year, it's around 
50-60% because in winter they're running all the time. Okay, and then you know that that's where you then want to use less efficient miners that cost you less because they make their return of investment much quicker, much uh, yeah. back much it, quicker this way around. Yeah, it really is like that's the part that it really depends on what people exactly need. The other thing that we also have to keep in mind is reliability of these miners. Um, then also like what happens if one of them dies? Um, if an S9 dies, that costs you $100. Well, you just buy another one and put it back in. If an S19 dies, you pay $1,500. If an S21 dies, then you are $6,000 gone or you have to find the repair person. So what I decided, I actually, so let's come what I decided for. I decided to go first with S9s um, because they were cheap available. I, at that point that I bought them, they were like $200. Now again, like you pay $100. I ended up switching to S19s just because for me specifically, the S9s, how they're built with their external power supply, with all the cabling. So they have like these PCIe connectors. The problem is that actually the oil makes the connection, the wiring very brittle. So they actually break over time. And it's just a mess. You have a lot of cables and getting them in and out. It's just, it's a pain. The S19s, there's one box that has a power supply on the side, but the power from the power supply into the miner goes through rails. So like hard, sturdy rails, they're one piece. You cannot take them apart. You always keep them together. And for me, they're much easier, specifically in the time to where I am. It's like, I'm actually taking them out quite regularly because I'm trying a lot of things. I'm figuring out what is the best way to cool them. Do I still run one or two fans to run the oil faster through? Because they actually can run in oil. So there's a couple of there's a couple of things that makes for me right now, as soon as I saw the prices for the S19 come down to $1,500, I bought two of them and I replaced the two of them with the S9s. Um, okay, interesting. Now, All right. So it's almost as if somebody had thought about people dumping them in oil by building yes. them this way, right? Um Okay, yes. interesting. And so does the, because I know from, from seeing it with um, a, 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 at a place in Germany, TerraHash, I'm sure you're familiar with the mm -hmm. company. They yep. have um, a, a lab there where they, where they try out, similar to you, basically, trying out new yep. things and ways to, to cool miners and what can be done with the heat. Anyway, so they, um, it actually still takes quite a bit of space, right? Because you can't just take the, the hash boards that all the chips live on out, you have to dump yep. the whole box, which then obviously takes more volume in your tank than, than being able to just putting the hash boards in. And can you, can you say a bit to that? Like with what mining machines can you just basically dump the, the hash boards without any casing into tanks? And also tell me how long does it take for all the oil to disappear once you take it out of the tank? Okay, so in terms of what should you actually use, I've seen implementations where people try to use the boards directly inside of the case. The problem is specifically with, with an S19 or basically any modern newer generation miners, the power to these boards is sent through um, aluminum bars, like they're sturdy bars. So. If you take the boards out, you have to think about rerouting these things and the power supply you also need to cool. So at least right now, I have not seen 
many new installations where they actively take out the boards themselves. What seems to be a bit common in specifically bigger installations is they actually take out the control board. So they make sure that the control board is not inside the oil. That is possible because the control board itself doesn't get hot. And the connection from the minor boards to the control board is an actual flexible cable. So you can move this around a little bit and they keep it outside because sometimes just the control board dies and the minor, the board's not, the actual hash boards. And so you can then switch this very easily. And you don't also lost the other problem is also with a lot of Ethernet cables, they get also brittle if you put them into the oil. So in bigger installations, I see sometimes that yeah, they take out the board. The problem is that means for every board or for every miner, you need to buy additional brackets and you need to work on it, you need to replace it and stuff like that. I just dumped the whole thing. In yeah, oil. probably. Then, then you can make another calculation. You know, how much, how much is your hour worth of time? Does it make sense exactly. to to do all of yeah. that work? Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. If you have people that anyway sit around in these miners and make sure that the oil doesn't leak, then yeah, you probably can give them also a job to prep these miners. Your second question around the oil. So the oil stays there forever, unless you have a solvent. So there are specific solvents. That's not alcohol. It's So the companies that produce the oil also produce the solvents at the same time. Funnily enough. <laughs> yes. <Yeah>. So <laughs> if you ever put them into oil, if you ever want to run them without oil, you need to buy the solvent. Now, you can just wait for a long time. The problem is that oil is specifically made to not evaporate in air because you don't want it to evaporate or you will lose the oil over time. Define so long anything time. That, yeah, yeah, sorry. So that anything that gets into contact with that will stay oily for a long time. And I have some S9s, like my S9s that I originally used, they are still oily. So, um, oh, man. Okay, but you so... can run them without it. It's just like every time you touch them, you have oil heads. So yeah, you need gloves every yeah. time you, you and I haven't, handle them. I haven't done testing um, of of like um, if the heat exchange of the of the heat dissipators of these fins and all the cooling things is the same if they were once in oil. But at least my S nines they are still running with air cooled after where they were in, in immersion. I just let, dripped them out a bit. All right, so I think we we covered the physical ground of this operation quite well during the last mm -hmm. fifty also minutes let's talk about the the software side a bit more um yes you you developed software just for this and open source that as well as far as i understand right is that a fair correct yes fair assumption? okay yeah so very early on i realized that because at my first system actually only heated the water heater and not the hot tub and not the house but even there and i realized i needed to find a way how to turn on and off the miner based on the temperature of the water in the hot water tank and also the, the pumps. Um, the first idea was, oh, I'm just going to let, let run the pumps all the time, but it's actually a bad idea because then you, after it's hot and you turn off the miners, because the pumps continuously run, they actually lose, like you, you then suck heat outside of the hot water tank again because you constantly take the water out and back in so you have a little bit of loss in there so i realized i also have to stop the pumps and very fast my decision came to home assistant 
So Home Assistant is an open source tool um, that allows for any kind of home automation. And what is really cool, it has integrations into thousands of other systems. So from temperature sensors, um, humidity sensors, buttons, to light so you can connect your Philips Hue or any of the other. Shelly is a very common sensor system. And you can also connect it to Alexa or Google Home and all these things. So it is basically one of the de facto standards for home automation. And it also has a very robust system to create your own sensors. So you can use like an ESP32, which is a microcontroller, like an Arduino. Um, and you can connect super cheap temperature sensors that I just put into my boiler. So my water tank has basically... Um, has now some temperature sensors on it, but you could also use the existing, it actually has some thermal relays that you could also control, measure from. So there's all kinds of different ways. And it was also super simple to add flow sensors to it and things like that. And so what I'm basically doing, I have all these sensors. They're also, there's some of the pictures on the Twitter thread as well and the documentation around them. Basically I'm measuring with all of this, I'm measuring what my system is doing, and I'm also controlling it. So I can turn on and off pumps through the relays. Um, I can measure the temperatures, and I can tell the system, hey, I want to use the hot tub tonight. And then it basically runs the miners to heat up the hot tub um, and stuff like that. One thing, though, that I wanted to do, these miners actually not only have the capability to turn on and off, which you can do through an API, you can also tell them how, how much energy they should use. So an S19, while it normally uses 3,000 watts, you can overclock it to four or 5,000, or you can underclock it to 2,000, 1,000. And this can go actually in like 100 watt steps. And the interesting thing is, if you actually underclock these miners, they become more efficient. So an S19J Pro, which by default is around 30 joules per terahash, if you underclock it by 50%, it goes to 23 to 24 joules per terahash. So you get actually an XP efficiency for a price of an S19. Now, of course, you're not going to get the same amount of terahashes. But what I do in my case, I don't need, I have two S19s. I don't need 6,000 watts all the time. I only need the 6,000 watts to really heat my house and the hot tub if I need it very soon. But my water heater, that is the most common thing that runs all the time, only has a 4,000 watt heating system in it. And so what I do if I need to heat the water, I underclock my miners to 4,000 watts, get more terahash for the same amount of electricity out of it, it doesn't change anything for me in terms of shower capability or how long I can shower because it's the same or for as your wife. Before. Very important. Yeah. Or for my wife, yes. Um, tension, though. Funny enough, we do shower longer now because we get paid more. But that's another <laughs> topic. <laughs> I can prove because I have water. I have measure sensors of how much hot water we use, and it definitely goes up. But that's another topic. Um, but yeah, what I do, I I control the miners, not only turning them on and off. I also want to control the usage, how much energy they use. And for that, I built an integration into Home Assistant. So there is a, a project on GitHub called Hass Miner, H-A-S-S-Miner. That's Home Assistant Miner. 
that integrates through an, a Python library that is built actually by Upstream Data. That's another company out of Canada. They build a Python library to interact with all kind of miners. So this supports not only Antminer, but also Watsminer and very strange miners and even with stock firmware um, as well. Um, so that you can control from your home assistant, you can turn the miners on and off, but you can also tell them how much power they should use. And it also reports you back all the stats that you usually look at the UI. You now have it in home assistant and you can graph it from there. So if something happens, like if suddenly your miners are not hashing as good anymore, you can go back in the history of home assistant. You can see all the charts and stats that your miners did. And that specific tool I built, it's called Hossminer. And that's one thing that I'm actively maintaining and is open source. And people are now starting using for all kinds of other things as well, including minor stuff. And it's just you, right? Um, we're starting to create a little group around it. So the guy that actually works at, uh, at Upstream Data that built this um, Python, his tool is called PyASIC. Um, library. He now contributes to it as well. So I want to create a little bit of an open source community around it because doing it all myself, yeah, is not going to be very sustainable. Yeah, I'm, I'm so I want to have multiple people. I'm glad Steve gave him some time to do to do that. I hope he doesn't do it yes. all in his, his just his free time. Yeah. Um, okay. We I asked I asked the question um, Earlier, I, I missed following up. The the ROI on those two S19s, what, what do you think that is in years? Like three, four years until you have the money back? The three the 3,000, you said 1,500 per minute? I calculated it once. I think, yes, with, with heating the house, which lets them run pretty much 24-7, I think, yeah, we're around two to three years. Um. But that obviously depends on the Bitcoin price and hash rate. Like, I don't think anybody expected that we hit a weekly average of 400 already. <laughs> uh, or we heard 386 on a 30-day. So that's crazy. So that obviously makes my return on investment longer. But yeah, we'll talk a couple of years. And it's not as many. Like, if you talk solar panels, sometimes you have 20, 25 years of return on investments. We're talking of max five maybe in worst cases maybe 10 years yeah plus all the knowledge you have garnered through this right and all the value you have created for other people i mean uh, if you add all of that up i think you get to a negative roi at least what that's what it feels like um totally okay michael um what is needed do you think to commercialize this because i and I know this from looking at the pictures, it is very tinkery, right? Yep. You have to invest a lot of time. You probably have to have a high amount of patience with yourself. And you kind of have to also be able to to afford it economically, right? So what what do you think is needed for me to go into, let's say in a couple of years, into a hardware store, pick up a device called whatever it then is, um, here in South Africa to replace my my hot water boiler at home. What do you think is needed yes. for that future to exist? So my, if you ask me what is my perfect solution for the future is that actually whenever you buy a hot water heater, 
that you act, that you go to the home store and there is a regular one and there's a Bitcoin miner one. And then if you want to pick the Bitcoin miner one, you can do that. You bring it home and that's how you heat your house. That's how you heat your water and that's it. I do think until we get there, it's going to take a couple of years um, just because we need to orange pill all these companies that produce all these things. Also, how do we get the miners in it? Like, that's the thing. Like, these miners are not optimized for this at all. Like, they're not even now finally newer versions of immersion optimized miners are coming out that don't have like fans from the very beginning and they have they have they're like basically the cage the case itself has all kind of holes for the oil to flow through nicely but again the s19s are not at all for this so we're just going to need to wait for quite some time until it's possible up until that though what i'm working on and that's the company that i'm that I'm working to kickstart with a friend of mine called Nakamoto Heating Solutions, which is basically a kit that you can order online and we're going to ship it to you. Um, and it's going to include a box where you put your miners in. And it basically has a hot water inlet or a cold water inlet and a hot water outlet. And you connect this to your house, to your hot water, to your hot tub. And there is one display where you give me your Wi-Fi or you connect it to Ethernet and you give me, or you give it the system, you're not me, I don't want to know it. You give the system maybe your Bitcoin wallet address or your pool address. And from that point on, that's it. That's what we're currently working on. Um, it's quite complex. Um, I'm a software person um, and we're talking about hardware. We're talking about production, shipping, quality control, returns, and all this fun. But I have now had so many people asking me all the time, and I actually brought all this whole system. I had a Bitcoin Miami 2023. So I drove down to Miami from where I live and um, brought the whole heating solution there and showed it off. And I had so many people that literally asked me where they need to send Bitcoin to. You had, a, I you had a little children's pool there, right? Was yes. That yeah. Do I remember that correctly? I mean, okay. we got in at the end. Four people was possible. It was cozy before. But yeah, it was like a small hot tub. And yeah, we heated it up to like, at one point it got so hot that the pub stopped working because it was too hot. Um, but yeah, we there is high demand for this. And that's what we're working on today is to create basically a kit that you can install either by yourself or maybe with your plumber. Um, because that's one of the complex things a bit is that my system and I believe the systems in the future will talk about a heat cell that at centrally place uh, creates heat and sends the heat to wherever you need it. That's something quite uncommon. So we definitely are going to have to convince some plumbers that this is possible. And um, so maybe that's why we also start with just um, augmenting the water heater or the pool and not try to combine them. But that's all the steps that my belief in the future, when you build your house or you buy a new water heater, there's going to be a Bitcoin miner in there from the very beginning. And that's actually funny that every time that I use a system that generates heat in any way, you immediately think about how do I put a miner in there. So like a hairdryer. And this is like, hmm, how do I... I have a sous vide like system to sous vide my steaks. And it's like, hmm, how do I put a miner in there? So it starts to become like almost like... A bad thing. You want to say an obsession? Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> to think about I, how can I now run this through a miner as well? But that's where we have to go to because it literally, like, it's so dumb 
to create heat with just basically heating coils. Like I call them dumb miners. Like that's literally what like a, a water kettle is just a, a miner that maybe forgot its pool address or something. Um, because yeah, they're literally like they should all be miners. And of course, what we're also seeing is all these older miners, like these S9s, they are so cheap and readily available. So if anybody figures out how to reuse them to create regular like household products, I think that's going to be a gold mine by itself. That yeah, you can buy a hair dryer that also mines some Bitcoin while you dry your hair. Yeah, and it's it's not about then the so much the economic output or whatever, right? I mean, we have these nerd miners. It's sitting here generating its shares and whatever, um, and it's just the same exact principle. Right? It doesn't matter whether you go megawatt scale or kilohash scale. Um, it doesn't matter. It's all the same exact idea, right? Electricity to heat, generate hashes. Those hashes are a commodity. They have value. We'll get into that in the next episode and so on and so forth. Um, one last question or two last questions, I should say. Um, we talked a lot about underclocking as well. Mm-hmm. How far, how f- you've tried this, I know. Uh, before asking this question. So I'm going to ask it. How fast can you ramp up a miner from like 100 watts to three kilowatts in your experience? It goes pretty fast. Um, I would say 10, 15 seconds, maybe 30. Um, Going up is harder than going down. Going down is immediate. Um, It's just that going up actually needs the miner to start mining and then it's like a it's like a PID controller like the miner cannot actually tell the chips or use now 3000 watts it can just say use more 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 and as closer it gets it needs to like stop because there's voltages of the power supply that also goes up and down so there's a couple of like physical things that needs to happen and um, I've heard though talking to some chip designers, that said, there would be a possibility to optimize for this. And again, the miners today are not optimized for this because they usually start running once and then they run for the next year nonstop. That's what they're built for. What we are using is not exactly this. So I could see in the future that we have instant miners that go much higher. But yeah, if if I measure the power usage of a miner when I have it 100 and I change it to a 3000, you can see the curve going up and within a couple of seconds here, there. With this topic always comes up when you talk about demand response, right? Yes. And as you said, going down is much easier, right? So so giving load back to the grid, stopping consumption from uh, consumption from these miners is a lot easier than, than ramping it up, right? And Correct. we have these sort of uh, uh, primary, secondary uh, demand response here in Germany where I think you have to be online and, and like you have to be able to deliver plus and minus demand response. So taking energy out and putting energy into the grid or electricity, I should say, um, within five seconds. And so then mm-hmm. Bitcoin mining is actually not suitable to that because you can neither um, ramp up consumption in that short of a time frame, and you can only do it the other, the opposite direction, right? So the, the sweet spot is, is, is another yeah. type of load response. Yeah. I haven't done, I have to say though, I haven't done too much testing on this exactly. If there is maybe ways to optimize yeah. it. I do yeah. know though that some people actually use my code, the home assistant code, 
to modulate the power usage of their miners based on how much the PV, so the, the solar panels, generate on top because they have really bad electricity payback rates from the grid. So if they pay, some of them get nothing back or some others get like 10% back. So what they what they do is they have a couple of miners that constantly try to use the, the energy that is too much from generated from the solar panels. And you obviously want to have a system that like even if there's a cloud coming and the power drops, then the miners also drop and basically follow this curve. What I've heard there is that, yes, dropping is very simple because you literally tell the miner to stop and it stops like within probably half a second going up is a bit so you need to smooth out the curve a bit to to basically try to catch up um yeah but i i feel yes if you want to and that, that that's maybe also something that can be done on software like it's maybe not actually a hardware problem so um and actually what is happening is like there's so many more like we now have, so we used to have for a long time third-party firmwares for these miners. What we now also have is third-party control boards. So Brains and Epic, both, they release their own control boards. And I think it should be possible to actually, with these custom hardware control boards, to maybe also change the the ramping up much faster. Interesting. Yeah, there's, there's so much happening. And it's... Yeah. Very interesting to see what what is developing in this industry, and it's it's a, a pleasure to be sort of right in the middle of it. And I thank my past self for for putting me here. I think um, the last episode, the second to last episode, where where I talked to um, Troy Cross and Ali Cheharasas about sort of the future of mining, we we said something, um, and we actually had agreement on this that sort of the the as we talk about the evolution of ASICs, right? It's not, we think, always going to be more efficient, more efficient, more efficient, more efficient on all the time. It's going to be use cases, right? So ASICs yeah. for demand response, ASIC to boil your kettle, ASICs to, you know, do do heat up the, the shower water and stuff like that. So that's where we think it's going because as we grow the network and we, as, we, as we said, are nearly at 400 extra hashes per second already um, and it's going to grow a lot more than that, we have to we keep being pushed out to the fringe, right? And we have yep. to find cheaper and cheaper sources. So, so um, yeah, I think I think you would agree there. Yeah, and that I mean, yeah, you bring up a very interesting point. Today, most miners or most companies that produce the chips also also produce the actual mining systems. Um, which means if I just wanna create a miner if i want a miner that just let's say cross creates 50 watts of heating power i i need to use an existing one and maybe take take an s9 and remove parts of the boards and then underclock them i couldn't create a board that creates 50 mi 50 watts with very efficient chips and that's the problem because the companies that produce the chips also create the actual miner if you look at regular computer systems there it's completely different Intel and AMD, they just create the CPUs. They just create the individual chips. And then mainboard manufacturers create the actual mainboards. And then GPU manufacturers create the actual GPUs. So what I, and that's we see this now with Intel. Unfortunately, Intel started to do it and now they pulled out again. We don't really know why. There's some rumors around this, but 
Block also announced with their um, um, Bitcoin develop, uh, mining kit, the BMK. I don't know what it's called. We'll find it. But they said that they will also create chips and you can buy the individual chips individually. And there will be data sheets on the individual chips because you don't actually find data sheets from like Bitmain and Whatsminer on these chips. So you cannot buy an individual chips and put it in a hairdryer. It's not possible right now. Um, but as soon as this is possible and we have more, these chips become a commodity that you can actually use individually. I think that will open up like you said, specific miners for specific use cases um, in terms of mining, but also maybe, yeah, in just household products. Um, maybe in the future, all the cars will have miners to heat up the air um, inside the, in the cars and all that stuff. So there's a lot more to come. And people always tell me, oh, I'm too late in mining. I'm like, no, you're like, I think we're even way behind mining than what we are with regular bitcoin of the possibilities because yeah like i said the fact that i cannot buy a water heater yet with a bitcoin miner in it tells me that there's much 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 more to come and for that we need people like you michael who tinker try things out <laughs> experiment and do it with a smile on their face um, I think you've done a beautiful job. And again, I've said this earlier, I benefit from the fact that you've done this a couple of times, right? So you have very clear, structured thoughts around my questions. And so uh, I thank you very much for your time. I have one last question before we close out. And I ask you to tell people where they can find you. Do you think that Bitcoin consumes enough electricity? No, definitely not. There's way too much stranded energy, energy that we lose I could agree if you tell me that Bitcoin uses every single stranded energy in the world. Only then maybe I could agree to that, that we that it uses that it just uses just enough at that point. But until we're there and we're probably maybe never there, and I think we're gonna find other energy sources from that point of on. Like if you just think about like methane gas and all these other things. So there is much, much more to take, and I don't think Bitcoin ever consumes too much energy so it does definitely not consume enough energy right now i think you sir need to start working in bitcoin you'd be a huge huge, huge <laughs> asset i'm working tell, on it tell people where they can find you michael so you can find me on twitter uh my twitter or my x name is now mm -hmm. schnitzel there's also a link to my nostril though so find me there um i don't know i I used to be very early on Twitter and it was fun. But now, funny enough, Noster now feels the same fun than Twitter in the beginning. So I think that's a good sign. Um, if you're more interested in actually having such a system, like I said, we are working on kits or figuring out how to build kits. Go to Nakamoto Heating Solutions. There's a website. There is a form there. You can fill it out. And as soon as we have something, I can guarantee when we're actively working on it and waiting on a big package to arrive with some goodies in it. Um, but we will send out as soon as we have something there. Um, yeah, reach out if you have questions. I'm happy to help. I have now at least three or four projects that I helped helped actually making. One of them I just last weekend, I took a swim in. A friend of mine that lives so close to me is heating his 30,000-gallon pool with an S19 now, um, which is super cool to see actually bigger projects actively implemented. So... Yeah, it's happening and I'm happy to help if anybody has questions or needs.
needs advice. Reach Alright guys, you know the drill. Look into the show notes, all of the good stuff. Um, value for value podcast. Answer your questions. Tell us what you have learned. Remember that Bitcoin does not consume enough electricity. And with that, I say until next time. Thank you very much for listening. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.